You're listening to the Our Eerie Podcast with Marty Wachugu and Lydia Laith. We're here to amplify community voices and bring new perspectives to the conversation. We are unpacking Eerie and America's baggage. And we're speaking truth to power. Let's talk. Welcome back to our area. You're with Marty Wachuku and Lydia Leif. Right now you're hearing from Marty Wachuku. I'm a 29-year-old Nigerian-American Black woman. Today I am wearing my tortoise shell um, black and white glasses. I am um, nearsighted. I am wearing braids. I have them parted to the left side of my head and they're white and black. I am wearing a black Megan Thee Stallion um, t-shirt. It's from her latest <laughs> mixtape for the hotties. Um, and I'm wearing the same grandpa sweater from the last episode. <laughs> and um, I have my um, blue and yellow tapestry full of suns behind me. Love it. And this is Lydia Laith. I'm a 28-year-old white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes. And I'm wearing a brown sweater underneath a kind of mustard yellow corduroy like flannel type um, shirt. And I have a bear tattoo on my arm and a blue tapestry behind me. Um, But it's so funny that you say you're wearing the same sweater because I really actually was a little panicked today, which is really funny and stupid. But like, I was like, am I wearing the same thing that I wore like last week or the week before? <laughs> like, are they going to think I never change my clothes? Which like, I don't. So <laughs> it's also possible that I'm wearing the exact same thing. But uh, so it's funny, though, when you're like, when you have to describe what you're wearing, like, oh, people will really know. <laughs> right. Like now they know. And now it's like, I can't hide it and be like, no, I think you're, you're misremembering. Like, nope, there's like audio recordings of what I exactly what I was wearing. Uh huh. So, yeah, I'm guilty, but it's all good. For sure. So me and Lydia just had a hangout this past Friday. You kicked my butt and Mario Kart came <laughs> over and had some tea after work. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. Um, I'm a big Mario Kart fan. Buster and I are known for like doing like endless tournaments of all the games or like my sister and I once played all the race, like all the courses for the racing. Um, so like I go hard. I'm very competitive. And poor Marty is like just there for the fun of it. <laughs> uh, so that was fun though. But then like after like halfway through, Marty's like, yeah, I can't really talk and play at the same time. And I had been like asking questions and chit-chatting. And, uh, but it was a good time. Yeah. And the tea was really good. I tried this one. What's it called? Lapsang? Lapsang Chong or something. Something like that. And it's like this smoked black tea. And I had it with some like chili honey, like spicy honey that Marty had. It was really good. It was very interesting. Um, but it was it was fun. It was something new. And uh yeah, when I was telling some of my coworkers, I was like, yeah, I'm going to like my friend's house to have some tea. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, your 20-something-year-old friend is like having you over for tea. But uh, yes. it was really fun. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. And it had just started snowing. So it was like the perfect time to have tea because like mm -hmm. it was getting chilly. And uh, yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I feel like things with COVID are hopefully ramping down. So I'm looking forward to... Um, slowly just getting back together with friends and inviting people over for drinks or um, having a game night here and there and just 
getting back into seeing people. I miss people. I want to get back to having friend dates and family dates and get together. So it was really nice to have you over. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me over. Yeah. Well, this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about Women's History Month and, you know, digging into what we think about when we talk about um, history in relation to current events. And we might touch on pay equity. We're going to touch up, maybe touch on some other current events. So stick with us after this break. All right, you're back with our Erie. Um, so yeah, so it's Women's History Month. Uh, International Women's Day was just last week. So happy International Women's Day uh, for all our our ladies and, and fe- female identifying folks. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting to reflect on like what womanhood means, like what that means in the context of like systemic oppression and male privilege and intersectionality and all that good stuff. Um, but to kind of start the conversation on a more lighthearted note, uh, we were talking before the uh, recording, John, our producer, uh, brought up that Dolly Parton has opted out of um, being like recognized in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because she doesn't feel like she like deserves that honor yet or she hasn't like earned it. And um like for all the Dolly Parton fans, even like if you're not a huge Dolly Parton fan, like I think we all know how talented and important she is to like music of her genre. Um, and so fascinating to hear that she thinks she hasn't like earned her place in yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like pretty bizarre to me. Uh, but it reminded me of this study that I um, saw. So it was like a report from Hewlett Packard that said, women will only apply for a job when they're 100% qualified and men will apply if they're only 60% qualified. And I find it so fascinating. And I find it true in my own life and in like my experiences with students that I've mentored or friends that I've helped like complete resumes for or like my sister and family that I've helped like apply for jobs. It's crazy how often women will like self, self-censor self or like self I don't even know, like hold themselves back from applying for something because they're like, well, I don't meet that one thing. I don't have that one quality. And you're like, who the fuck cares? Like, you're probably better than 20 of the men that are applying for that job. Like, you should apply. Like, if if they can do it, you can do it better. Humility, uh, I don't know. I, I won't speak for all women, but I know for me, and I don't think it was explicitly told to me, like, you as a girl have to be humble. But, like, you have, you're trained to think, like, speak when you're spoken to or don't interrupt and you know you're good but there's always someone better so make sure you're on top of your stuff and um I don't know we and also like if you're 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 following traditional dating stereotypes. I haven't heard people talk like this in a long time but I remember thinking as a child that men don't like to hear women talk a lot men don't like a bossy woman men don't like empowering women and that's that's kudos to the circle that I've created around myself that I'm forgetting that that that's an issue that people still deal with but um what what was how does that tie into what we were just talking about I think I'm shocked at the Dolly Parton thing. Like, I'm not a huge Dolly fan, but when you think icon of icons, Dolly's an icon. If there's someone who belongs in a um, rock and roll 
Hall of Fame, Dolly Parton is definitely one of them. But when yeah. it comes well, to pay, um, sorry, just this last thought, when it comes to pay, it makes sense. Like if you're taught to think like, I am not the best person here, there's always going to be someone doing a little bit better than me. Am I really deserving of a pay increase? Or am I really deserving of this role when I know someone else could do it better? We don't pipe ourselves up enough. We always are the first ones to tell mm-hmm. ourselves to settle down. And I think mm-hmm. I'm personally working on coming out of that. And I think a lot of a lot of us are um, trying to do that and teach the next gen to think that way too. Yeah. Well, and I think to your point, Mark, like it's not necessarily something that anyone has ever explicitly said to us because it doesn't have to be explicitly said. I mean, that's like the right the the difficult part about so much of our oppression or like discrimination or prejudice or biases that exist today is that so much of it is not said and it's like in between the lines. So it's not necessarily that your professor said, oh, you're not smart enough to be in this class, but they said like, oh, do you have the wrong classroom? Are you supposed to be Mm. in this, like, you know, or. um, It could be even so small, like in elementary school, um, whenever there was a big, we had mass in the school cafeteria and afterwards kids would have to go and put the chairs back Mm -hmm. and they would always ask the boys, only the boys. And I remember being a kid and being like, oh, I can help. And like, no, only boys. Mm-hmm. And re- in my head thinking like, are, so I'm not strong enough. Am I not ever going to be strong enough to carry the chairs like a boy? It's just mm-hmm. all those little moments make up a huge story for what you think your place in the world is. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so it's it's all that stuff that's like subconscious or saying like, oh, you're so smart for a girl or like mm-hmm. you're not like other girls or all these things that are like backhanded compliments that maybe when you're young, you don't even have the wherewithal to understand that it's not a compliment. Like when people are like, oh, you're not, you're like one of the boys or you're not like other girls. Like it's not, um, it's not a compliment. Mm-hmm. And uh, But we're made to, you're made to think it like, cause right. you see a TV show where the girl's like, oh my God, he went for, he told me that he loved Ashley, but now he changed his mind and I'm, I should be happy. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's always communicated to us like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting um, to see that just played out in so many different spaces and, but it's, it's invisible in so many ways it's invisible. So it's really hard to pinpoint. And so when we talk about, um, like the importance of Women's History Month and why we need to talk about these people because they've been erased from history books or because they've been excluded or because we don't talk about them every day um, or because, you know, when we look through a a white, heteronormative, male-centric, like colonialist lens, we only see certain people um, portrayed as like the hero or portrayed as the, the leaders of these communities. When like, globally right now there are so many women in leadership and it's so exciting to see this happen where um like women are are taking these positions of power and finally um being recognized as like really powerful leaders like when we saw in covid that the the countries with some of like the lowest covid rates and like that were able to kind of bounce back the quickest they were all countries led by women um and so i think that that speaks to just like the power of um just having the most qualified person in charge and like the best person in charge, you know, it doesn't have to be a man or a woman or any, like it just has to be who's the best for that space. Um, But it's, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Thinking about um, having those women across the world, literally saving lives and having people to look up 
to in that way as leaders who are women makes me think about how growing up, I'm not sure what it looks like now because I'm not watching children's television anymore, but growing up, women weren't often the star, the hero. Um, We were often the sidekick character or, um, you know, the love interest. So, so interesting now to to be in this era where we have so many real life heroes and then also media is catching up, right? Like in my time, I think Katniss Everdeen of the Hunger Games was the first like huge, big one. Um, But since then we've had Captain Marvel and we've had, you know, um, other women in media behind the camera, like Shonda Rhimes leading, Mm -hmm. leading things. And we're just seeing women, women have always been the backbone and like carried so much in all the different industries, but I feel like we're in the era where we're seeing the women up front and getting Mm -hmm. their flowers versus, you know, some man being the one. Yeah. Or having their voices heard or their stories told for sure. Okay. So growing up, Marty, who was like your female icon or hero that you just were like, oh, I adore this person or like, I look up to this person or I want to be like this person. Like, did you ever, um, I'm thinking of like in school, we had to dress up as like our favorite historical figure. Like, did you ever have to do any of that or? You know, thinking about it, fa- favorite like historical or like TV female character. You're going to have to give me a minute because what back in school, like for whatever reason in middle school, one of my favorite historical characters was Teddy Roosevelt. So that's clearly <laughs> not a woman. Um, that's so ah. fascinating. Why did you like Teddy Roosevelt? Because I don't know what childhood me was thinking. I think we watched a movie about him during the Spanish Spanish Civil War. Um, and I just liked his mustache. I have a thing for mustaches. <laughs> his expression, um, walk with a... Yeah, walk softly, but carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just a badass. I believe he literally threw hands on the Senate floor. Like... <laughs> And his story of being a sickly child and then like getting really out being, he was really athletic, but he was like really outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. I think he was one of the first characters in history that where I got to see, like, you know, they did this important thing, but I heard the story of who Mm. he was. I think I just found him fascinating. Nice. Yeah. Now I'm like, he he was a man of his time. He has problems. Uh, (laughs) He's no longer one of my favorites. He's kind (laughs) of shitty. He's he's all very shitty. Although just like nuance, he's also credited for like our not part of our national park system. Like for sure. For sure. Was probably closest to what we can call for the his time an environmentalist present, you know? Um, but we're talking about women. No, but I mean, yeah, no, it's great. Okay, so do you can you think of any women? Hermione Granger. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. Like she wasn't a woman, but like when I think oh, of childhood was, me, yeah. who someone admired, I admired Hermione being the smartest in the class and just whip smart and always getting her friends straight and out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So I really liked Hermione. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. Was, I'm definitely a Harry Potter nerd. I'm sorry I did not oh, have yeah. a better answer for those who were thinking. No, 100%. Like, no, that's a great answer. Because to- I, I totally agree. Growing up on the Harry Potter books, like she was such a powerful role model to like unapologetically be a powerhouse in the classroom. And I totally aligned with that too. Like I loved it. when we were talking about like the messaging we received as kids. Like I just remember I was so proud to 
be able to compete with the boys in class on every level. Like I used to do karate when I was a little kid and I could take down any of the boys in the class and they would get like pissed. Like they'd be so mad. They'd like stomp off to their parents after like grappling with me because I could like kick their asses. Um, and but like doing that and then being in school and being like just as smart as all the boys and like answering every question and like it almost became like a competition of like I needed to make sure like I could always answer, you know, and always be right. like as, as good as the boys. But even the fact that that was a mentality of like I have to be as good as the boys as if like they're the the marker of where I should be and that like I had to be but like I don't you know what I mean that like well get this I mean you've probably heard it I mean racially a lot of black children self-included get told like you have to be twice as good Mm. you have to be twice as good as any person who's not black in your classroom at job because what is given to us is not given to us you got to earn everything you got to fight for everything and that motivated a lot of us to be exceptional people but it's also part of what's fucked up about the world is that we've been told to fight and toil and struggle for what other people just are privileged to have. And it's, cre- I'm, I'm going on a tangent here. I'm so no, sorry. <laughs> but it's created this dynamic where people really buy into that. Like, yes, we are, we have to be twice as good, but other people are like, no, let's create a world where that isn't needed, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And it's not a tangent at all because at, at the root of it too, like no one is just a woman here. Mm-hmm. Like we are a, a, a tapestry of interwoven identity. Like you are not a woman without being black. Like you, you are all the identities you have. So mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, it's not a tangent at all. That's entirely related to this conversation. But yeah, I think it totally, we're, we're taught that you have to prove yourself that people are gonna assume you're dumb. Um, that was another thing. Like I did a statistics project when I was in like fifth or sixth grade about dumb blonde jokes mm-hmm. and who found them funny and like whether they were blonde or brunette or like, you know, or um, whether they thought they were true. I forget exactly what the study was. But I was like so upset that like blonde jokes were a thing that like, oh, yeah, the blonde girl is the stupid one. Um, and that that like really frustrated me as a young blonde girl <laughs> in yeah. school um, to always have to feel like, OK, people are going to look at you and assume that you are ditzy, that you're stupid, and that you have to prove yourself from the jump um, and not make any mistakes or else people are going to be like, oh, well, that's just because she's a dumb blonde. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how – and I wonder how other people – like, Harry Potter isn't that old of a reference either. Like, that's uh-huh. still pretty new. You know what I mean? So it's not like – I mean, there are other strong female characters <clears throat> throughout – writing but um but a strong female character written by a woman too Mm. i think um reaching such national and international success as a book um or series i think that is pretty unique and pretty new Mm -hmm. you know like you think of all the strong female characters from like more classic literature and those are all written by men Um, not all of them i all of them like Anna Green Gables, I've not actually read the book. I've only watched the television adaptation, but I plan on reading it this year. Um, I forgot her name. I've got forgotten the author's name, but like when you look into the stories of women who wrote in eras before women were respected, so like, you know, the Bronte sisters wrote under pseudonyms and Mary Shelley wrote under a pseudonym and just what they were able to do and accomplish and change the world, but 
they were able, some of them were not able to in their lifetimes take credit for that. It's just, mm -hmm. it's wild to me. And they, they wrote strong characters for their times. If, if people don't know who I'm talking about, um, Emily Bronte or the Bronte sisters wrote things like the Wuthering Heights, um, mm -hmm. Jane Eyre, um, you throw Jane Austen in there, mm -hmm. um, Anne of Green Gables. And for the era, they, they wrote a lot about um, women from large or poor families looking for marriage. But um, as much as those women, that was what their end goal was and like what was going to be comfortable for those lives, they, they wrote really strong people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Did you read any of those in like grade school or high school or did you mm. read those in college or did you read those on your own like were those mm -hmm. part of your core curriculum actually core curriculum no I just as a kid wanting to be the smartest wanting to be um someone who was quote-unquote well-read I would always try to read the great illustrated classics mm. so I read a lot of um illustrated versions of Charles Dickens um Jane Austen and other things um in high school high school high school I don't feel like I don't remember what I read in high school but for going to an all-girls school I feel like I read a lot of men I'm struggling to think <laughs> how many of the books I read were about women but there was also a choice there we had to choose books and I think growing up hearing who the greatest authors were a lot of them I saw were men and I think I tried to gravitate to, towards those books nice yeah yeah I think a lot of times the core curriculum of our like grade school there's so much that I didn't learn until I went to college yeah. and it's not to say that like people have to go to college to be smart because there's so many people I know that are way smarter than me that never went to college or that are wiser than me um but there's is just so much that I didn't learn until I was in college whether it's talking about um some of these like really great women writers or like Japanese internment in U.S. history like I did mm -hmm. not know that that even exists like I was flabbergasted <clears throat> in my one history class to learn in college that like Japanese internment happened during World War II and that that was something that literally happened in the United States not somewhere not some other country like we're not this like perfect place and that I don't know for all those folks that struggle with critiques of the foundations of the United States and like American history and critical race theory applied to American history. Um, like, I just wonder how many of them actually know like Japanese internment happened or, you know, all these other perspectives that you learn when you go to a, you know, a, a college that, that teaches more diverse history classes than just the kind of. Well, that's why we need things like Asian Asian Pacific Islander Month and Hispanic Heritage Month and Black History Month and Women's History Month as we're now sitting in it is because so much of what we're taught is from the white male perspective and so much history and experience is left out of our classrooms like mm -hmm. what was it actually like to be an enslaved person there's only so many accounts we have like that have been written because that was not prioritized at the time for people to know. What was it like to be the wife of, I don't know, some of these famous people that we talk about all the time. We only know what people have either written about them or what we may have found in diaries. Like people were, our people, the people that most have been impacted and oppressed in this country, our stories have not been prioritized to collect. So mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, but they still existed. And the fact that we yeah. are including those in our like 
grade school, middle school, high school history classes, um, despite them existing. You know, it's one thing if they didn't exist, if there was no written record of those experiences. But for so many, like, there are, though. Like, there are lots of them. There's a lot of, like, slave narratives. Right. And, um, like, you can read those. And that's important, Not if, even if you can't read the whole thing. Um, like, we don't need to talk about how many slaves George Washington owned or how many slaves Thomas Jefferson owned. Like, let's talk about, like, who was that person that was enslaved? What was their name? What was their story? Like, because some people wrote them down. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just so important. But I think it goes back to that conversation we had last week with Ethan about participatory defense and that, like, the system's fucked. Like, the system needs to change. Um, But in the meantime, we have to find a way to, like, change our day-to-day life and like do good where we can and so while we wait for the system like while we wait for the national attitude towards u.s history to become more diverse and inclusive like we have Mm -hmm. to find these ways like these you know months or weeks or days where we celebrate diverse perspectives and different um the more holistic perspective of our history Um, but like obviously the, the end goal would be that every history book would be inclusive and diverse and holistic and like seeing multiple perspectives not just one watered down whitewashed narrative and that we could trust that <laughs> no matter where you are in the community or country that you we were all learning essentially the same thing and not being um being hidden hidden things because of who we are or where we are growing up you know yeah for sure or who is elected in office where we live it's fascinating. Did you see that? Uh, and I only honestly, I have to admit, I only know this because it was part of a skit on SNL. But the governor in Florida, like this uh, don't say gay bill that he just passed or tried mm-hmm. to pass or something mm-hmm. like you can't say gay in schools. And you can't acknowledge that anyone's gay. Like that's fucking ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, which is this is kind of a tangent. But um, just this idea that like literally people's voices and stories and experiences and identities and existence is erased not only from history, but like actively currently in conversation in our schools. Being which is erased. Being totally erased. Being totally like you can't even acknowledge. And it's that's so power. Bizarre. That's power. When you can't mm-hmm. literally speak your existence or someone else's existence. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Which again goes back to like your point about like just the lack of evidence, right? That these stories weren't prioritized, but not that they weren't even not, not prioritized because I feel like that is like letting these people off. Like it's not that they weren't prioritized, it's that they were purposely and intentionally excluded. Like I was gonna even, say, people weren't taught to read. Right. <laughs> like they, they were punished for reading, they were punished for writing, yeah. they were punished for having a voice, having an opinion, trying to share their story. Um, you know, I think about having gone to Catholic schools for pretty much my whole life, even undergrad. Um, Like I went to a a bunch of different like post-colonial feminist theology classes and learned about how before, like when the Bible was being written and like the four gospels that got chosen, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for anyone Mm -hmm. that's like Catholic or Christian or familiar with the Bible. But like there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all men, all written by men accounting the different stories of Jesus. And like some of them overlap, some of them tell the same story, but from different perspectives. So like they understood the importance of having different perspectives, but they were all men from like a certain class from a certain perspective that perpetuated whatever like the the church wanted at the time of like the Bible's write, writing and creation. But like there were other writers that submitted 
gospels for the canon like the canon is like what the bible became like the final version the final draft or whatever mm -hmm. um and so like there were women that submit like mary magdalene was a fucking boss and she <laughs> existed and there are there are uh gospels that were written by women or by other um disciples of jesus that like recalled more of like her kickassery and recalled more of like what she did um or like what other women did and that other women were disciples but like that didn't fit the narrative that um the church wanted to portray which was that women are underdeveloped forms of the human um species mm -hmm. that women can't be priests they can't have power because their brains are underdeveloped like it didn't fit their mold of like creating a hierarchical power and so they just excluded those stories like jesus was not this like sexist guy that was like oh yeah only men disciples only men can follow me around like nah he was inclusive and he saw like so much well anyway i'm getting totally off on a tangent but <laughs> no just, i love talking bible oh i love oh we should have bible a whole rating. conversation about the bible and all these different stories um there's just so much again i mean just the power of history and storytelling like there's so much that gets taken out of context or or told through a specific lens for a specific purpose mm -hmm. um and I think it's so important that we just question people's intentions and we question sources of information and, and we we seek out information for ourselves. We seek out more perspectives, um, whether we're talking about women's history or black history or LGBTQ history or like or anything. Right. Or, or any decision we're making or like with the current events and everything going on in Ukraine, which I'm sure we'll talk about someday down the road. But like there's so many different perspectives to every issue it's never once it's never one story ever i don't care how simple the story seems like there's never just one version of a story mm -hmm. um and the more perspectives we get like the more we'll just better understand what's actually going on i think this is a good place to end i think this really exemplifies just the power of this month and every month and every chance we get to talk about these different perspectives and gather diverse perspectives um I would like to make a shout out to our listeners. Like if there's someone, if there's a story you think we're missing, like let us know, reach out. If there's some guest in, in the community that you think we should have on the podcast, like let us know. We want to make sure that we're not missing a perspective, that we're not missing a story. Um, our eerie is all of ours. So we want to hear your side. We want to hear your story, your perspective, like what makes eerie yours um, and what makes eerie all of ours. Um, so so yeah i guess our parting message is like join the conversation let's talk like you are part of this just as much as we are so we want to hear from you you can email us at our eerie at gmail.com you can reach out to us on facebook or instagram and uh we'll we'll see you soon see you next week you've been listening to the our eerie podcast many voices speak the truth to power and unpacking difficult discussions you can continue the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Our Eerie Series. This podcast is produced by John C. Lyons, Marty Nochuku, and Lydia Leith. Music produced by Light Shadow. We appreciate you for listening to the Our Eerie Podcast. Until next time, take care of yourself. Keep fighting the good fight. Remember, you're awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.